Thank you for joining us this morning. I have a few announcements to make before we get into the talking with our guests today. I, I don't work for Rocket Mortgage. I don't endorse that company. And I don't know why they keep playing that ad on my show. Uh, since I am a mortgage person, I work for Geneva Financial. House Bill 2541. I would like everybody to call the representative or send them an email and tell them that we need to pass this House Bill. It's to help even out the playing field as far as pay is concerned with the different agencies. They shouldn't have to be trained in one agency and then go work for another one just to get higher pay. So if you could help us out with that, that would be awesome. Next week, we're going to have um, retired Lieutenant Colonel from the Marine Corps, Hal Kempfer. He's the CEO of Global Risk Intelligence and Planning. He's coming on the show to tell us what's going on with Ukraine and give us a little bit of the inside scoop. Also, I want to remind everybody about the front line of sex trafficking, the event we're having on the 2nd of April. Please go to lawmatters1030.org and secure your ticket. You do need a ticket to get in. Even though they're free, you still need a ticket to get in. And everybody, teachers, uh, ministers, parents, everybody should be wanting to go to this uh, class because it'll tell you what's going on right now. And we want to keep our kids safe, and that's the whole point. Okay, in the studio, we have Captain Josh Wilhelm from, from the Department of Public Safety, and he's the commander for District 8, and that's us, right? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Let's, let's talk about, let's remind everybody about a little bit about you, your history, and how you got involved in law enforcement. Okay, so good morning, and thank you for having me on the show again. So, you know, it, it all started back in high school. Uh, with a school resource officer there in Aztec, New Mexico. That's where I went to high school. And I just got into the law enforcement uh, that way. And when I turned 21, I was living in Colorado. I applied with Colorado State Patrol and Arizona uh, DPS. And Arizona uh, DPS took me six months earlier. Their academy started six months earlier. So I picked up all of my stuff in Colorado and moved down to Arizona and started the academy in February of 2003. Throughout my career, I've worked pretty much all over the state of Arizona. Started up in the Four Corners area on the Navajo Reservation and kind of worked my way through working canines, uh, working regular patrol, being a detective, and worked my way up through the ranks. And now I'm the District 8 Commander here in Tucson. So, What's your favorite area? You know, growing up in Colorado and New Mexico, I like the green trees. So I would say northern Arizona is probably my favorite. Yeah. But I've spent... Uh, good portion of probably the last 10 years of my career down here in uh, southern Arizona as well. And we were talking just before the show started and, you know, we were talking about the weather's getting nicer, COVID's kind of flattening out a little bit. Things are getting busy. What do you see happening? What's the majority of your calls? So we're seeing a lot more uh, traffic moving through. Um, right now, uh, we still are in the season where we have a lot of uh, what we call the snowbirds, the people that winter down here in Arizona, and then they'll summer back east somewhere. So we're seeing a lot of that traffic in the coming months. We're going to see a lot of that traffic heading back out towards the east coast. Uh, but we're seeing a lot, yeah, with the COVID restrictions, we're seeing a lot of people getting out more, getting on the road. So the traffic is picking up. Uh, all the schools are back open. So 
we're definitely seeing an increase of traffic, which comes with increased uh, problems, traffic collisions, uh, people being uh, less patient on the roads because they maybe were used to the roads being a lot emptier for a couple of years. Well, now you're seeing that the traffic is picking up again. And people have a tendency to, to be very aggressive with their driving. They become impatient and they start getting aggressive with their driving. And that's not healthy. <laughs> Patience is a virtue. Let's, you know, calm down. You're still going to get to where you're going if you slow down a little bit. I've seen people, and maybe it's because they haven't been around in their cars for a while, but I have seen people not using their seatbelts. Is this a, an ap- epidemic? What's going on? You know, seatbelt use is something that, uh, I'll tell you, When I remember when I was a kid, I'd be sitting in the back of a pickup or something driving around, and seatbelt use has always been an issue. Um, and, you know, it's something that it saves lives. Um, I do... I have personal experiences with it that makes it where it's very important to me um, because I want to make sure that everybody gets there safe. And in traffic collisions, seatbelts are seatbelts save lives. I know from personal experience as well. My brother was in an accident where a pickup truck, not pickup truck, a dump truck, rear-ended him and his car flipped, kept flipping. He had a seatbelt on and he was okay, but his passenger refused to wear the seatbelt and it didn't turn out as well. So, you know, the fact that you can say from personal experience, this is this is a good thing. Put your seatbelt on. Well, absolutely. I mean, I can tell you a story uh, probably about, I'd say about six to seven years ago, I was just a regular patrolman out here, on the, uh, out here in Tucson working a Sunday morning. I remember this pretty much like it was yesterday just because it's something that reminds me why I do this job every day. And so I was running traffic on I-19. I was running radar, sitting in the median. I ended up stopping this white F-150. It was heading southbound on I-19 towards Nogales. Uh, We were just right past uh, Valencia and I-19. And I stopped the vehicle for speed. I ended up stopping them in a parking lot, got out, started talking to them. It was uh, three uh, three adults, two males and a female in the front seat, and then they had two small children in the back seat. And as I was talking to them, the female front passenger, one of the female front passengers, she didn't have her seatbelt on. And I was explaining to her that, hey, you need to have a seatbelt on. But while I was talking to them, I noticed that the, I believe she was about a three-year-old uh, little girl was sitting in the back seat in the car seat. She was in the car seat, but she wasn't buckled properly. Uh, the buckles were really loose and it just wasn't, the car seat wasn't set up properly. So I took the time, talked to him, uh, showed him how to kind of adjust the seatbelt, made it where that seatbelt was adjusted properly for that little girl. And I also made sure that that uh, lady uh, knew that, hey, you got to have a seatbelt on. So I went ahead and uh, wrote the citations uh, for the seatbelts and went back in the median. About 30 minutes later, I get a call for a rollover collision south on I-19. So down past the Green Valley area. And so as I'm responding, uh, that spidey sense on the back of your neck kind of goes up. And something was wrong. Something just didn't seem normal for me. She gave out the description that it was a white pickup rollover. And I'm like, before I even got there, I was like, that's that vehicle. And sure enough, I show up on scene. And it is that exact vehicle that I just stopped about 30 minutes earlier. Uh, The female that was the passenger is now the driver. 
and she had her seatbelt on. The vehicle rolled multiple times. Uh, it had a tire failure. So it was just an older tire that just blew. Get it was up. a summer months. So uh, that's always a concern. And there was a little girl. She was sitting there smiling at me. Um, and the mom was being uh, treated by medical. She was injured, but she wasn't injured very seriously. And I remember she told the firefighter in Spanish. Um, she looked up at me and smiled and told the firefighter that I was her guardian angel. Because 30 minutes earlier, she didn't have a seatbelt on. Oh, that gives me goosebumps. <laughs> so that right there hits home to me every day. Yeah. And that's why I'm so passionate about the seatbelts. And that's what I tell my troops that work for me is, hey, take that extra time, spend that time with those people. Because I feel like that day, I did save that person's life. And so no matter what happens in my career, my career is done. I, it's great. I'm grateful for it because I was able to save that one person's life. Absolutely. And so it, it ended up being such a great moment. Um, and it could have been a tragedy, but however, it turned out to be a great story that I get to tell. And I want to make sure that people understand that, yes, seatbelts is, is your personal option. I mean, people say that's my right. I understand that, but I also have, I've also had to go tell so many families that their loved ones aren't coming home because they didn't have a seatbelt on. And I don't want to do that. I hate that. That's the worst part of the job. And for me to tell that story, it, it makes everything a lot better. Yeah. And, you know, thinking about that and the little girl, Absolutely. have you have you kept in touch with them by Absolutely. any chance? Absolutely no. Uh, okay. Unfortunately, I have not. They, okay. uh, they're actually, I, if I remember right, the family, most of the family was from Mexico. Okay. Um, I never actually even got to speak with her much after that because she was responded to, uh, she went to the hospital and we just did some follow-up but that was about it but what a what a great story that's awesome and everybody should think about that you know a big complaint i remember when seatbelts became the thing you had to wear a seatbelt. oh it wrinkles my clothes well it's better than a wrinkled body <laughs> you know, it's just put Absolutely. it on and stop complaining no and that's the thing is is it takes two seconds to do it um and I know that there's that a little annoying beep that's on your dash that if your seatbelt isn't fastened, um, I've seen it where I've walked up to collisions and that seatbelt has been fastened, but they fasten it and then sit on it just so that they don't have the annoying beep. Oh, you're kidding. No, unfortunately I'm not. Um, I've seen that and it's just, you know what? It keeps you safe. Um, I mean, my, my kids, my kids are here today in the studio with us and they know before the car moves, seatbelt goes on yeah, and they keep that seatbelt on the whole time because it just, I want everybody to go home. And like I said, my troopers get out on scene. I much rather have you uh, have a seatbelt with minor injuries than having to go tell your loved ones that you're seriously hurt or you're not coming home. Exactly. And you know, they have classes on how to put a car seat in for, for little ones. Mm -hmm. I know I was doing it wrong when I, you know, with my son was little, I was like, just plug it in and you can good to go. And they said, no, 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 no. This is how you do it. I went, oh, okay. So if you're, you're not sure, there, stop any law enforcement officer. They'll do it for you. They'll show you how to put a car seat in. Yeah, and most fire departments too. And then I actually have a few troopers that are certified as seatbelt technicians. They go through a special training to show um, people how to... Uh, properly put in the child restraints because that's the most important thing is is 
not just having the, the restraint uh, device, but actually using it properly. Yeah. Uh, because a lot of the times, if you don't use it properly, it could cause more um, injuries than what it's intended to do. I mean, you want to make sure that you have the seatbelt, even a seatbelt for an adult, you have to wear it properly mm-hmm. for it to work properly. Yeah, not all car seats for kids are built the same either. So you really have to understand the mechanics of what's going on with that particular brand. Oh, yeah. The, the car seats now with the technology, there's some cool car seats that do all these multifunction robot stuff. And so, yeah, you need to understand how your car seat um, is used. You definitely want to uh, read the owner's manual and understand how to install it properly. Okay. Do you have any brands that you want to recommend? I'm kidding. <laughs> I do not. <laughs> okay. All right. The weather's getting warmer. What do people need to do to keep their car from stopping on the highway or your tires from blowing up like like the one you just talked about? So a couple things. So first on the tires, um, I would definitely recommend you go to a place and have your tires inspected. They do have manufactured dates on the tires and your tire technicians at the at different uh, tire shops will look at it. They'll look at your tread, look at your air pressure. Air pressure is a huge thing. If you're running too low of an air pressure, your, your tire could get hotter than it should be and then that'll cause a tire to blow. There's so many factors out there. So the big thing is, is just really understanding that your tires are what's keeping you safe driving down the road. Make sure, make sure you are you are putting on quality tires and that they're not dry rotting or they don't have cord showing or the pressure the tire pressure is uh, set properly. I know a lot of the tire shops will have free tire checks where you can just pull in and they'll ch- check the uh, air pressure. They'll fill them up if you need to. Before you go on any long trips or even just your day to day commuting to and from work definitely get your tires checked uh, and make sure that you have quality tires on there. Yeah, and it doesn't, the tread on the tire isn't the only thing that, you know, can cause a problem. The sidewall can be a problem if it's not affixed to the rim properly. Absolutely, and that's why, like I said, I recommend you go into your tire uh, store, any of your mechanic, and letting them look at your tires, making sure that your tires are in good working condition. Okay, we've got... um St. Patty's Day is coming up. <laughs> people like to party. What do you recommend people do? You know, I know you have DUI enforcement going on during specific times of the year. What do you recommend people to do? Well, I'll tell you, DUI enforcement is what we do every day, all day long. So there's, yeah, we have more troopers out in certain times, but I will tell you that that's one of the uh, number one priorities of my troopers out on the road is looking for that uh, impaired drivers. And the biggest thing is, is don't drink and drive, get a, get an Uber. I mean, there's the technology and the, and the uh, resources we have out here now. I mean, Uber, Lyft, there's so many resources out here that you should never get behind the wheel if you've, if you're intoxicated. And there's certain times of the year where, you know, different agencies will pay to take you home. They will say, okay, here's a free ride. Yeah, we're going to take you home. You can pick up your car later. Absolutely. There's different pro- uh, projects out there that have some tow companies give you free tows. Some companies, uh, some taxi companies give you free rides. So take advantage of that. Yeah. And if you 
don't if you think you've had too much to drink then you've had way too much to drink call a friend call somebody just don't get behind the wheel yeah because the one thing the least is a dui the worst is you potentially could hurt or kill somebody else and so definitely just don't drink and drive because if you do we will find you we'll take you to jail let's talk about the finances of that going to jail and the the ticket and the tow and all that stuff you're in the business what can it financially do to a person just one dui oh it it's going to i mean it's going to cause a probably a very large financial strain on you and maybe your family uh because i mean you're talking about the fines you're talking about the insurance going up you're talking about uh, hiring an attorney hiring an attorney uh, you have a lot of different things and guess what that $30 or $20 uber lift is a whole heck of a lot cheaper than a DUI with the consequences that'll lead down the road yeah just an attorney alone would be a, a probably about $10,000 and that doesn't yeah. include the fine the fees the tow any of that yeah, and I mean, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to spend a night in jail either. Yeah, not, not you don't get to pick your roommates. <laughs> it's like, oh. So, but, you know, if if you can't go pick up your car, too, and it's been towed away, mm-hmm. that's a daily charge. Yes, that's what the tow companies charge a daily charge, yes. And, you know, that can add up quickly. <laughs> so. The biggest thing is just be smart, plan ahead. If you know you're going to go out and enjoy St. Patty's Day, which we're all for having going out and having a good time, plan ahead though. If you know you're going to a bar, take an Uber to the bar. Yeah. Don't even put yourself in the position where you're driving. Just say, you know what? I know I'm going to drink a lot tonight. I'm going to take an Uber to the bar. And then when you leave, you call an Uber. There's not a car for you to get into at that point in time when you are intoxicated. And I mean, like I said, plan ahead. If you get a DD, get a designated driver. Uh, if you're going out with a group of friends, if one friend says, you know what, I'm not going to drink today. Okay, well, that person now becomes the designated driver for everybody. Plan ahead, though. That's the thing is, is make those decisions ahead of time so that you're not making poor decisions in that moment. Okay, do you find that, you know, you have more DUIs when it's game day and U of A is doing great? You know... I guess when there's when the weather's out and that people are out uh, partying, yeah, you're going to see more. But I will tell you that we see a lot of DUIs at all times. However, there is holidays where more people come out and more people go out and participate in the celebrations. And yeah, you're going to see more DUIs at that point in time. Okay. Let's talk about road rage on I-10. People getting mad, driving aggressively, shooting at each other <laughs> you know good times were had by all why what do people need to be aware of when they're driving down the highway and i drive up and down i-10 all the time and i-19 and i've seen some really unusual driving i don't know if it's a habit but unusual incidents where people are driving pretty erratically what do you need to do what is you know somebody's threatening you or coming up on you behind you and they're driving really fast and giving you the finger trying to get you out of their way what do you do so the main thing is is 
don't give them a reaction. If somebody's driving aggressively, best thing is is to call 911, get on the uh, line with one of my uh, dispatchers. Let our dispatchers get uh, put that out to a trooper. If a trooper's in the area, we're going to we're going to try to respond and see if we can locate that vehicle. We don't want you to engage in the incident with that individual. If you can and if you think that car just keeps going, if you can just exit, exit the freeway, get separate yourself from that position, but don't engage with it. Um, for the people that are doing the road rage that are late for work, why don't you just come to work, get up, get out of bed, leave 10 minutes early. Um, just, it's not worth it. It's not worth to get in, engaged with it. There's some scary things out there. There's some scary people out there that are willing to hurt other people. And you know what? If somebody comes up behind you, flashing their lights, trying to get you to move over or whatever, if they go by you and they try to, uh, get you to engage with them, you know what? Just exit, call 911. Let's get that out. Let's see if we can try to locate that vehicle and let us deal with that person. I don't want the innocent public dealing with that person because you never know what they're carrying in their car or what their intentions are. And if they're sober or high or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, I've, I've actually gotten off and the exit ramp and just crossed over and got on again. And that car's way in front of me. Yeah, you <laughs> I have to you, worry about it. You separate yourself from that person. Yeah. The thing we don't want you to do is to engage with that person and then now start doing things, start flashing your lights at them or um, flipping them off or flipping them <laughs> off or doing anything like that or, or causing any other because then you're going to two wrongs don't make a right mm -hmm. and then you're just part of that problem and you know what separate yourself from that incident let's like I said get on 911 let's get let's see if we can get a trooper there so that we can help um, I understand that sometimes there isn't a trooper available I mean we're very shorthanded uh, throughout the state but if we do have a trooper in the area we are going to respond to that and we're going to try to uh, find that person because one of our goals is to cut down on the aggressive driving the road rage uh, because that is very dangerous out there is there a difference between a road rage ticket and a regular ticket like somebody's you know doing 85 miles an hour and they're not you know, flipping people off and is it a different fine level? I guess that's my question. So it depends on what they're doing, but yes, we have like what is considered an aggressive driving. So if you get an aggressive driving ticket, that is definitely a lot more serious than just a speeding ticket. It actually becomes a criminal, um, citation. And so it can, you can actually be put in jail for an aggressive driving, uh, citation, for speed, depending on what their speed is, it could be just a civil citation or a criminal as well. So it de depends, but yes, the level of um, seriousness for road rage for aggressive driving is yes, a lot more serious and a lot higher up there on fines and everything else. Can you lose your license? Depends on how the court looks at it and how many citations you've had before, stuff like that. And if you are caught, you're doing this and you don't have a license, what happens with that person? Is that a criminal? Well, they're probably going to get a few more citations. Um, they potentially might be arrested and taken to jail. Uh, it just really depends on the area and the, the court systems. But yes, 
when you don't have a site when you don't have a driver's license yes everything's always going to be more you're going to get more citations for that because you are required to have a driver's license and a valid driver's license to drive in the state of arizona okay so take that all right we're going to take a quick break we'll be back in a few thanks for staying with us our guest today is captain josh wilhelm he's the district eight commander with department of public safety and you said when we were talking about your work history that you were a canine officer. Tell us a little bit about the Department of Public Safety and the drug intervention. So, I, yeah, I was a canine uh, unit for approximately seven years. Probably one of the best jobs in the department. Isn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, the canine, having, a, having that partner is just awesome. Those dogs are just amazing. And uh, it's, it's a great, great job. It's very rewarding. Uh, it's very challenging because you're using a tool that has a brain of its own. So in law enforcement, most of the time you use different tools, but they're always mechanical or they're all, so you're always making those decisions. Well, this is one of the only units that you're working with a partner that has its own brain and sometimes they don't communicate so well with you. So dogs want to be dogs. Exactly. Dogs want to be dogs. And sometimes they, they think they're smarter than you. So they want to do their thing first. But yeah, that, you know, working that and working interdiction on the highways uh, was just a rewarding uh, part of the job is taking off the illegal contraband that's traveling up and down the road, not allowing it to get on the streets where our children, our family members have access to it. Yeah, that's that's huge and how many dogs do you guys have i mean they didn't stop that program just because you moved on right oh absolutely not <laughs> i believe at this point in time it's right around 25 canine units uh throughout the state of arizona and are they all drug dogs or do you have bomb dogs do what do you have so we have most of our dogs are dual purpose dogs which means they're a patrol dog for like uh suspect apprehension and then also that's uh, so polite and and also drug uh drug interdiction uh the dr drug dogs but then we do also have eod dogs the bomb okay. dogs that we use uh throughout the state as well okay so you've got everything yeah those are the two main uh dogs that we uh we have yes very cool okay let's get back to traveling because summer's coming people are going to be traveling spring break is here how is how should they prepare before they go on a long road trip i mean just between here and san diego is considered a road trip absolutely so, and yeah you, i mean you're looking at six seven hours yeah so you definitely want to take some precautions especially traveling across the arizona desert and even into california we talked a little bit prior about tires checking your tires making sure that they're in good working order uh honestly check the fluids in your vehicle make sure that your uh your radiator has enough coolant uh making sure that your oil in your vehicle is at its proper level going through checking just different your brake fluids those are some of the mechanical things that you can do to help make sure that your vehicle makes it safe however there's things that happen that just you don't know that you don't know so you might get stuck out on the road or on the side of the road for a couple hours the big thing to do is is make sure that you have plenty of water especially with this heat and it, even though you don't you're just sitting there your body is sucking in that water and so you need to make sure you continue to hydrate so that's a big thing we uh we want you to do is make sure you have enough drinking water on this uh with you 
And then also making sure you have your cell phone charged, having that ready to go. Because if you do get stranded out there in the middle of nowhere, we want you to call 911. We want you to let us know, see if we can get a trooper there to help. Or if you know what you're needing, get a tow truck en route for you or AAA or whatever you need. We need to get you the assistance out there because we don't want you sitting out there for very long. Yeah. I mean, here in Tucson, I actually have two what we call is uh, roadside motor assist units that are full-time paid uh, positions. What they do is they just travel around uh, Pima County and assist people with changing tires, uh, helping them if they need some water, different things if they break down on the side of the road, getting them the help they need. That allows me to have my troopers respond to priority calls and allow them to handle some of those calls because sometimes if we have a priority call come out, our troopers are going to that priority call. That person that is stranded is going to have to wait a little bit longer. But with my roadside motor assist units, I'm able to they're able to respond and actually help that person out as well during those times. Yeah, I've I've seen the state troopers out there um, helping people, changing tires, and doing what they need to do to keep people safe and off the off the side of the road. Which reminds me, explain what the Gore area is to people and why they shouldn't be parked there. Okay. So there's a couple. So the Gore area is on any off ramp or on ramp, the, the solid white lines, it's kind of like a triangle. Mm -hmm. Uh, It starts, normally it starts with maybe a little bit of a dotted and then it turns into a solid white line and it breaks apart and it looks like a triangle as the exit or on ramp merges or comes or goes further away from the roadway. That is considered the Gore Point area. Most of the time it's paved for a short time and then it turns into the desert. Uh, We don't want people parking there ever um, because it's very dangerous because there is some of those impatient drivers that actually will be traveling in the, at the last second, they forget that that's the exit they're supposed to take and they cut across what we could say cutting across the Gore area. Yeah. Well, that is a that is a very large citation, um, and unfortunately, one of our uh, sergeants up in Phoenix many years ago was actually killed by a driver doing that because the trooper was actually trying to change a tire and was struck by somebody that was actually oh, cutting wow. across the gore. So that is a citation that, if I see you do that, you're getting a citation for it. Um, Instead of just taking your time and going up to the next exit, turning back around and coming back, you cut across the gore, which is a very dangerous act. And yeah, you uh, have other people leaving the highway or coming onto the highway, and you know you're you're causing a problem. Absolutely, and that reaction just because of you not paying attention, you potentially are putting other people's lives in danger. So yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, if you try, if you break down, try to avoid stopping in the gore point at any time. I understand that it looks like it's a big open flat area, but don't put on your brakes there. Let your car go past that location, get past that gore point because that gore point, even though it looks like it's a safe, big, wide open area, it isn't because you have traffic going on your left side and your right side. You're kind of stuck in the middle. And like I said, with those impatient drivers that, or those drivers that forget to exit, now you're kind of in that area and I mean it's a very dangerous location so 
we don't want you stopping there if you can't. Now, I understand sometimes vehicles, you don't have any control of, over what where they stay or what yeah. they're doing. Yeah. But if you can avoid it, the best way is to get past that gore point area or get all the way to the right, all the way off the road so that you're not stuck in that kind of that middle no man's land. On I-19 going, well, north or south, people will cut across the um, the center and to go the other way to like make a U-turn. Is that legal? Oh, absolutely not. And that is another extremely dangerous situation. Um, so what kind of a ticket is that? That's a very, that's a, what we consider expensive is driving in the median or crossing in the median. Uh, yes, it is very expensive, but honestly, more than just a simple fine is it's absolutely dangerous. And I mean, you're talking about actually getting people hurt. Uh, we've had multiple fatal collisions because of people turning in the median because you've got to look at is if you're traveling on the freeway, you're doing 75 miles an hour and a car comes from a pretty much zero, zero and they turn out in front of you and have to start accelerating. Well, they don't understand the distance and how fast you're traveling at that 75 miles an hour and how yeah. fast you are coming up on them. You have to understand some of those things. Or if you miss your exit and you're slowing down, now you're in the high speed lane, which is the far left lane, and you're coming to an almost stop, stop. to make a turn into the median. All those vehicles behind you that are doing 75 miles an hour, you can't stop on a dime. You're not going to slow down very quickly, especially if you're an 18-wheeler. I mean, with all that weight that they're hauling. Now they can't stop quick. They can't stop quick. So you're going you're going to potentially, that's causing a huge issue. And yes, that is a very, very expensive fine. But honestly, it's one of the most dangerous acts you can do on an interstate. What are these? Tell me what these safety corridors are. You, I'll be going up to Phoenix and I'll say, oh, it's a safety corridor. Okay. <laughs> so the rest of the state is at risk. What's going on with the safety corridor? So safety corridor <laughs> is something that uh, the Arizona Department of Transportation kind of got together and came up with areas that are very heavily traveled that have um, potential for a lot of traffic collisions. And the one you're talking about in Phoenix is that's the area that's only a two-lane interstate on each side, right. which is very congested. Um, what it is is we try to make sure that hey, people are aware. Hey, this is even a, this is an area with even higher collision rates than most areas. We want you to pay attention. We want you to uh, drive safe. But honestly, anywhere in the state of Arizona needs to be a safety corridor. I mean, if everybody just pays attention when they're driving and not pay, use their uh, handheld devices and all that stuff, we'll be safer. But all the distractions, we just want people to just pay attention and be safe no matter what. But these are some of the areas that have higher collision rates uh, and it's very congested traffic. So they've done a study and they, they've actually, they didn't just put up a sign. They did a study, this area has problems. Is it because of the rest area up there? No, it's not because of the rest area. It's honestly, it's because on both sides of it is three lane highways. And in the middle, it's only two lanes. And the growth that Arizona is experiencing right now and the travel, I mean, Casa Grande is turning into kind of a bedroom community of Phoenix. A lot of people live in Casa Grande because they don't want to live in the craziness of Phoenix. And so they travel back and forth. So you just have the amount that... The traffic, the interstate is just outgrowing itself. Uh, there's more traffic 
on the interstates than there was 10 years ago. So really it's just getting very congested. And I know ADOT is working with all their traffic engineers and they're doing different things to try to make it three lanes all the way through. Um, but that's the thing is, is the interstate is just, we just have more people living in the state of Arizona and traveling through the state of Arizona than we've ever had before. I wonder why people are moving here from Oregon, from California. I mean, it's people are just flocking to Arizona. Well, and it's a great, uh, we have a state with a great, uh, vacation destination. I mean, you can't beat the spring and falls and even the winters here. I mean, that's true. who can play golf on a, on a, uh, Christmas day back East? You can't in Arizona. most of the time you can. And so we have a lot of, uh, tourist opportunities here and so yeah everybody wants to come through here or yeah we people travel through california to texas i mean we're travel through state for a lot of the country okay when we started this show i was talking about the uh, house bill that i wanted everybody to try to get somebody to support whoever your representative is tell them we want that bill passed it's 2541 and you're hiring Right? Absolutely. So what's that process? Tell us the process for the state police. So just just so we clarify, the 2541 is actually for the deputy sheriffs and the corrections, deputy corrections officers. Right. At the, um, but yes, DPS, the state troopers, we are definitely hiring. We are shorthanded throughout the state. Uh, biggest thing is, is it's a very simple process. You can go onto our website, ArizonaDPS.gov, and you can go to becoming a trooper or as a cadet, which is a new trooper that's never been certified in the state of Arizona as a police officer, or we are accepting lateral um, applications as well for any other uh, officers or that are from other agencies that come through. I mean, we look at it as we have both products, both opportunities. You go right. on, you put in your application. The first couple things you have to do is you have to do a physical test. You have to do a, like an oral board interview uh, with a panel. If you are a new officer that has never been certified in the state of Arizona, you have to take a written test, but you start all those processes and then you continue to move through with a medical background, a polygraph test, a background investigation. Uh, you sit down with a psychologist. So you go through a pretty extensive hiring process. It takes a couple months to get through this process. They should have that process for president of the country. I mean, you know, we, <laughs> he's sitting there going, I'm not, going to address that no i just you know you think about the process that you put people through for a job like yours which is a dangerous job the president of the country should go through the similar type process where they have to do a lie box and see a shrink and do all this stuff too i think it would be awesome that could that could be interesting <laughs> it could be interesting but you know the thing is is um this is a rewarding career. It's definitely a tough career to have, but um, it is great to serve the public and to be out there and to be, to feel the joy when you make a difference. So do you have a program for youth to be involved? I know a lot of the agencies have explorers or, you know, different programs that kids can get involved in the summertime. So we do have, uh, there is a, it's called the Alika. It's actually an academy. Um, one of my uh, fellow uh, captains in the department, she runs it. Uh, it's actually Captain Diana Mondragon. And it's up in Prescott for like two weeks. And 
kids get to come up and they go through, it's like a summer camp kind of law enforcement style. So they're doing PT, they're learning different um, like defensive tactic techniques that we go through. They kind of learn some laws, but they get to experience some of the things that law enforcement um, does on a daily basis. And this is for high school, high school kids, even middle school kids. And then we also just started a trooper trainee program again, where you can be 18 years old and you can now apply with Arizona DPS and become a trooper trainee and work in our agency. And then once you become, once you get to 21, then you enter the academy. So that's something that we just started uh, with our agency actually within the last couple months. Oh, wow. So that's awesome. That is a new program that we're trying to get guys in, guys and girls in that are right out of high school that are wanting to become troopers and we can get them in at, at 18 years old. They can start working around our offices administratively, learning everything about our agency. When they turn 21, then they go to the academy. And where's the academy? The academy right now is up in Phoenix. Okay. So it's approximately 30 weeks long. So a little over six months um, prior to you getting out onto the field training process. And up there, they become state certified as Arizona Post police officers. And they go through all this state trooper training before they come out on the road. And do they get a free Smokey Bear hat or do they have to buy it? Nope. We, we get our campaign hat. Yes, ma'am. Do you we, have a Smokey Bear hat? I have a Smokey hat. Yes, ma'am. I love them. I think they're awesome. <laughs> every single trooper gets it. And yes, everybody's like, they want to see the hat. So, <laughs> Do you get boots? No. We, those are for the motorcycle guys. Those are for the motors get their special big boots because uh, you know how motors are. They're special. They're badass boots. Yeah, I have actually I have a group of motors that work for me. So they're, if they're listening, they're probably <laughs> laughing. But yes, uh, they they have their special boots. But no, we just have regular uh, law enforcement boots. So when does the hiring process start? Do you, is there a specific time people need to apply, or can they apply any time and then they get called in? So right now we are hiring constantly. So we have multiple testing dates uh, on our website. Okay. And I believe we're almost testing every month at least wow. for laterals and for uh, just the new cadets as well to become a cadet trooper. And all cadet trooper means is you're just a cadet trooper before you become certified as a trooper. Now, when they go through these, these classes, do they get college credit? Yes, they do. So how many credits do you get for going through the academy? Uh, I don't recall how many it is now. I remember back when I went through, it was around 30 plus credit college credit hours. Okay. And I got it through Rio Salado College there in uh, Phoenix in Maricopa County. So do they help um, pay for college for continuing ed? Yes, we do have a reimbursement program where our agency will reimburse for continuing education. Yes, absolutely. Do they restrict the type of courses you can take or do you, you know, is it just has to criminal? be from a accredited college or university. So you can study anything. Yes, ma'am. So did you? So, yeah, I've been studying. Uh, I got my associate's degree uh, through Rio Salado and then I've continued on through my bachelor's degree in uh, security management. And not criminal justice? No, ma'am. So what made you choose what you chose to study? Be 
because it's, you're thinking about after you retire. I, I think in about after I retire, but I also think about what it could help me with uh, dealing with the the civilian world, with what we come into aspects of when we're dealing with other um, security threats that are maybe uh, civilian or at like big companies and not law enforcement. So with the security management, it kind of brings its law enforcement security, also like global security as well. So when there's a big event, like a sporting event, like, you know, the Super Bowl or racing, horse racing or basketball, you are equipped to manage that security detail. So yes, we actually, our agency, we uh, are in control of a lot of the uh, big uh, sporting events at the Phoenix Stadium, which is where the Arizona Cardinals play. And we the bird's will, nest. The bird's nest. And we will be, <laughs> uh, we are already in plannings where we support the NFL on the Super Bowl. Super Bowl's coming in uh, February of 2023. Yeah. And we are hi- uh, heavily involved in uh, supporting that and providing security for that as well. Who are the guys that stand on the roof? I know they have snipers on the roof. Well, they don't usually stand. They were standing during the fireworks thing, but what agency covers that? Are you talking about here at the U of A? No. Well, yeah, that too. So it depends on which <laughs> it depends on which agency is on primary. Uh, it could be a, mo- a multitude of agencies. I mean, there's multiple agencies that assist us at the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, there's multiple agencies that assist at the University of Arizona football because uh, DPS works there. The Pima County Sheriff's works there. TPD works there. The U of A works there as well. So really, all of these law enforcement agencies around the state, the country, we all work just together. We just wear a different color uniform, but we're all in it for the same goal. I know Arizona Rangers was a part of that too. They were yep. out there helping. Yep. They're, so they're more on the volunteer side, side right. of it, but yes, they're out there as well. Okay. So what do you tell people to do? Where Where's a good place to park if you want to go to the game? And it'll tell everybody. Take an Uber. <laughs> Take an Uber. Yeah. Because it is a madhouse getting in and out. I mean, you're talking about 60,000 people trying to get into a one area. Yeah. It's going to cause, take an Uber, make somebody else drive. But how do they get there? If all these people are there, how do they find you? Your Uber driver. You, you know, know I'm not heavily on that technology, but <laughs> apparently they, like, they find them pretty, pretty easily. So, okay. All right. So what, um, what suggestions or what support can you give somebody who's sitting around thinking, gee, what can I do with the rest of my life? What kind of career can I go into? What would you tell them? Get on our website and fill out a civilian observer form. And what, what it is is a civilian observer program where we actually have anybody that uh, is off the street can come in and ride along with one of our troopers. They fill out a small uh, document, and as long as you don't, as long as you can pass just a simple background, a check on your uh, background, we can get you on the road, and you get to ride with a trooper for the day or the night, and you can experience what we go through, and you get to speak with the trooper there. Also, people can just walk into our office. We're at 6401 South Tucson Boulevard. If I'm there and somebody wants to talk about a career in law enforcement, I'll go out there and chat with them. I mean, the big thing is is just asking questions. If you 
if you're not in an area where there's a trooper close, go to your local PD, go to your local sheriff's department, do the same thing. We all have programs to allow you to come experience what we do and learn from it and see if that's something you want to do. But just make that effort. Come out there. We have recruiting events. When you have a, when you see a recruiting event, go out there and just talk to the troops, talk to the officers, and they're going to be out there trying to give you more information about the agency so that you can make those decisions and see if that's the right fit for you. Do you have a Citizens Academy? Currently, we do not, but we have done it in the past, and we've also participated in uh, other agencies' uh, Citizens Academies as well. You have? Like who? So we've gone, I've actually uh, spoken to uh, Citizens Academies that, with the United States Border Patrol. When they've had academy, they've asked me to come in and spek a little bit about DPS and stuff. They've got a great academy. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is, is we all work together um, and we have different units that we can talk uh, about to these other agencies or to these other people. Really, it's just getting the information out of letting people realize what law enforcement does every day. Which is a lot more than just giving speeding tickets to people. People, you know, it's just so much. You guys do so much, and it's a very rewarding career. That's a small portion yeah. of what the state troopers do every day. Exactly. We are very, we're a very large agency, and yes, that's the face of our agency because that's what everybody sees out there. But you gotta just can imagine the men and women we have working behind the scenes, civilian and sworn, that make this department run every day. I mean, we couldn't do it without them. Oh, absolutely. And I know I just asked you prior to the show coming on about being a part of what we're going to be doing on the 2nd of April, having a representative there um, to talk about sex trafficking, because I know you've got a division with the state troopers that help train people on what to look for. Absolutely. We have a program that's uh, the Interdiction of Protection Chil Protected Children, where it trains troopers on what to look for when they make those traffic stops to see if anything potentially is uh, going down or is being uh, suspicious. Suspicious. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a great program. And honestly, we've saved a lot of uh, kids lives because of that. That's awesome. My hat's off to you. I want to remind everybody that the Frontline of Sex Trafficking event is happening on April 2nd at the Burger Theater. Go to lawmatters1030.org to get more information and your free tickets. You do need a ticket to get in. They are free. Obviously, your donations help us continue with these educational programs. We've already been asked to do something in, in the fall with um, sextortion. So... And next week, we're going to talk about uh, the situation with Ukraine. We've got the global risk and intelligence and planning coming on to tell us what's going on and what we need to be prepared for, because this isn't a one-way street. They are going to retaliate. So get your, get your questions ready. The number is 790-2040. And until then, shop local, stay safe, and don't drink and drive. Thank you.
Every Saturday morning at 8, Law Matters brings you law enforcement. On our next show, we talk with the CEO of Global Risk Intelligence and Planning on what we can expect with Putin's war. Hi, this is Sherry, also inviting you to attend the front lines of sex trafficking on April 2nd. This event focuses on keeping our children safe. Your free tickets, agenda, and additional information can be found on lawmatters1030.org. Law Matters podcast can be found on iTunes, Google Play, and our website, lawmatters1030.org.